Over the Fence Podcast, back again, new episode, happy 4th of July everybody. I don't normally like to um, timestamp my podcast episodes, I don't normally like to give specific dates or whatever, so um, that's kind of unusual for me to actually give a date, but today's episode is going to be a little bit different because this being the 4th of July, um, it's kind of the unofficial midway point of the baseball season more so than the all-star game and the all-star game this year is kind of late it's on the 17th so we'll be well in well past 81 games for everybody by then but what i wanted to do is kind of just glance over the divisions so there's an old stereotype or superstition or whatever you want to call it that people used to say that whoever's in first place on the fourth of july wins the pennant. They used to say the pennant because, of course, in those days, you only had two divisions, one in each league. So when you won your division, you won the pennant. There was no division, basically. It was just the league. So if you were in first place at the end of the season, you won the pennant. You went to the World Series. Now, of course, we have six divisions and we have wild cards and everything. So we could probably amend that to whoever's in first place in their division wins their division. Whoever's in first place on the 4th of July wins their division. You could probably amend it to that. So that probably would be fair. So whoever's in first place on the 4th of July, if you go by the superstition, wins the division. Now, of course, we know it doesn't work like this. By the way, I went online and I looked to see who said that. I thought maybe it was like a famous quote by Dizzy Dean or somebody who was around back in the 30s. And I couldn't find anything. You know, maybe somebody else knows. Leave it in the comments or whatever. But it just seems like it was just an old superstition and just something fun. You know, you look at the papers on the 4th of July in those days when people read the paper and like, oh yeah, it looks like the Yankees are going to win the pennant again. And they usually did, I guess, in those days. And this year, um, we'll see how things go. So I'm just going to kind of glance at the divisions and just kind of look at how things look now and what it probably means for the second half. So we'll start with the American League East. So you got Boston and the Yankees on top. That's not a surprise. Um, you know, everybody knew these teams were going to be pretty good. Tampa Bay has been a bit of a surprise, though. They're 43-42. and 42. They're in third place. Now, they're not going to win this division. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. But they actually have played pretty well. And I think it could be an interesting second half seeing them go in and play spoiler. They're not afraid of the Yankees or the Red Sox or anybody. They're going to go in and play well. And I also wouldn't be surprised if with the upcoming trade deadline, don't be terribly surprised if the Tampa Bay gets in on one of these um, players that's available and actually goes in as buyers and not sellers during this trade deadline. I really wouldn't be surprised if Tampa Bay actually gave up a couple prospects and went in on somebody who's going to be under team control for another year or two. You know, we're hearing talk about players like Jacob deGrom, somebody who's not a free agent who's actually going to be under contract for a couple more years. If he gets traded, it would be a value for somebody like Tampa Bay to grab him. They'd have him for two years. And if they are actually going to go for it soon, and I think maybe they will, that might make sense. So don't be surprised to see them go in on somebody like that. It wouldn't, be, um, it wouldn't be something out of the realm of possibility. Making a buying move for next year, for 2019. Um, rest of that division's out of it. Toronto and Baltimore. Baltimore, we'll see if they trade Manny Machado. Obviously, it would make sense for them to trade him. He won't be returning there. And they're going to need to get something for him. They're 24-60, and 60, which is the worst record in the American League. So... Um, see how things go over there. But Boston and the Yankees, it's always going to be fun. It's always fun with them anyway. You know, they're always going to have dust-ups whenever the Yankees go to Boston, whenever the Red Sox come to the Bronx. There's definitely going to be, uh, they have nine more games left, and that's going to be fun down the stretch. So that'll be good baseball in the second half. The Central Division. Now, 
I don't know if anybody knew the Central Division was going to be quite this bad. I think maybe people might have expected Minnesota to be a little bit better after they made the playoffs last year. Minnesota's 35-47. and 47. They're 11 games out of the division. They're 18 games out of the wild card. The rest of the division's out of the division and out of the wild card. Cleveland is going to win that division. Hands down, obviously, there's not even there's not even much more to talk about except how good Cleveland may be in the playoffs, which we'll do more podcasts on that. And the West. Now, the West is actually turning out to be a lot more interesting than we could have thought because who knew Seattle would be this good? They've won eight in a row. They're only a half game behind Houston, and Houston's been great. Houston, 56-31. and 31. Seattle, 55-31. and 31. This is without Robinson Cano. So... Who knows what may happen? Any speculation? Maybe they may consider trading Robinson Cano to some team that can use him next year because they can't use him in the playoffs anyway, and they're they're playing pretty doggone well without him. You know, so right now it looks like they don't need him. So maybe they can look into taking on a lot of that salary and and trading Cano and getting something for him and moving on and getting somebody maybe you can use in the playoffs if they if they make it. You know, they're looking right now. They would be that second wild card team. If the season ended today, there would be a wild card game in the Bronx between the Yankees and Seattle. And um, maybe there's a somebody that they can get. You know, maybe they'd be in on Jacob DeGrom. Who knows? Someone who can pitch that wild card game and possibly get them a steal of a division, a steal of a playoff spot and get in. And who knows? So Seattle's great. And also Oakland, 47 and 39. Nine games above 500. No, sorry. Excuse my math. Eight games ahead above 500. Eight games out of the wild card. Eight and a half back of the division. They're not winning the division. They're probably not winning the wild card. But look at Oakland go. You never know. Oakland, they're, they're prone to making these runs. You never know. Maybe they decide to go for it. Grab somebody who they can easily deal away or flip. Um, so we'll see what happens with Oakland. But that West is going to be interesting. The Angels have fallen back to 500. Shohei Otani is about to make his return. I don't know if he's going to pitch at all or just DH. But at least it's good that he's going to be able to play in some way this season. Hopefully he doesn't injure himself anything further by playing through this injury that he's got. But, you know, they brought him back, so he's well. And Texas is very much out of it. So that's the American League National League. Let's just run through it real quick. So on the 4th of July, the standings, the National League East is the biggest surprise. Everybody thought it was going to be Washington and the Mets fighting for that top spot. Instead, Washington is 500, 42 and 42. The Mets are way below 500, 33 and 49, completely out of it, looking to possibly sell pieces. The only question is, are they going to set themselves up for next year or are they just going to blow up the whole thing? But the Mets have been a complete disaster and they're just fighting to stay out of last place or who knows if they're even fighting to stay out of last place because Miami's a a team that was designed to be, they traded away all their good players and they were designed to tank and they're just barely behind the Mets, only half a game. But let's talk about the teams that are actually good. Atlanta and Philadelphia, surprising a lot of people. Both teams a little bit ahead of the game. I think most of us thought Atlanta was going to be good next year. And Philadelphia was still a little ways away. But look at them both. Atlanta, 49-35. and 35, Played well against the Yankees this week. Philadelphia, 46-37. and 37, Two and a half games back of them. They've won three straight. Both teams look like they're very much into it. Washington... They're at 500. They're four and a half back of the wild card, but they're seven back of the division, and they've been a disappointment. They've had a lot of injuries, but now Daniel Murphy's back, and um, they're going to have to get themselves together if they want to get back into it. Otherwise, it could be just a two-team race in the second half there. Two surprising teams, two young teams. It's kind of a testament of the value of just being young and athletic. Both those teams are. The Central, Milwaukee's got it, but guess what? 
St. Louis, you can never count them out. They're only three and a half back of the wild card, six and a half back of the division, and the Cubs are right there too. So the Central should be interesting with those three teams locking horns and going at it. And the West, look at Arizona, 48 and 38, Dodgers 46 and 39. They've come back from a terrible early first half and they've battled their way back into it. And the Giants are actually above 500 at 45 and 42, and they're they're not out of it. Three and a half back of the division, three back of the wild card. So I think it's going to be an interesting second half, and definitely in the National League, there's a lot more parity. The American League is very top-heavy. The National League has um, more teams, but the National League is starting to get top-heavy, though. I mean, if, the, if Washington falls out of it, and you know, if St. Louis can't work their way really back into this, and if San Francisco is not for real, then we're looking at two-team races in all three divisions, maybe even less than that. Maybe, you know, somebody may start running away with things. But right now, nobody's more than two and a half games up, and that's Atlanta two and a half, two and a half up on Philly, and that surely is nowhere near a done deal. So before I go, I just want to mention something very trivial, but it just eggs at me, and that's today's the 4th of July, and every holiday, baseball brings out these special uniforms so mother's day they bring out the pink uniforms and you know it's for breast cancer awareness and that's great i think that's fantastic that they do that it's very important father's day they break out the the uh, powder blues for prostate cancer awareness okay that's great i think that's cool but then they start going a little crazy memorial day they have teams wearing camouflage hats with stars on them Fourth of July now, they have all these teams wearing these blue uniforms with little stars in the number, so everybody looks the same. You look at the highlights, and it looks like every team is wearing the same uniform. They all have the same colors. The hats are red, this weird shade of red with everything. Now, let me ask you guys, have you ever seen anybody walking down the street in any of these uniforms? Have you seen any? Listen, I live in New York. The Yankees are obviously the most popular team here. I have not seen anybody walking down the street with some camouflage Yankee hat with stars on the side from from Memorial Day. I don't see anybody walking down the street with stars and stripes, um, you know, uh, blue and red, white, and blue Yankee stuff. The jerseys look ridiculous. No one wears them. You know what I see people wearing? Pinstripe jerseys. Navy blue pinstripe jerseys, like the ones they wear on regular days, or jerseys, the navy blue jerseys with the names on the back. That's what people like. Baseball is really trying to out overdo it here with these special fancy jerseys. I understand you want to sell, you want to make some extra money. I don't know if any of the money from these 4th of July jerseys goes to a special cause. If it does, then I guess I can't knock it too much. But how much are they really selling? Do people buy these hideous jerseys? They look terrible. They make the players look ridiculous. Again, it looks like everybody's wearing the same uniform. And it kind of ruins the look of the 4th of July to me. It's just a little too campy. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of a silly attempt for baseball to try to be a little too hip it's like watching your 75 year old uncle try to rap at a barbecue like just stop just do what you do you know baseball do what you do stay traditional and i'm gonna do another podcast about uniforms because you guys know i'm really into it i believe next year nike is getting the baseball contract to do baseball uniforms and i really really hope that nike does not ruin the baseball uniform the way they have ruined the nba uniform That is a podcast for another day that's going to be coming up soon. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Over the Fence Podcast, we're out.